Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? We've got most of week seven in the books. A little bit uh, earlier edition of me and Matt here since I'm on vacation. Is that if you are watching live, you can see by his tag there, it is a snow day for him. Excited for hopefully a big game tonight where I know a couple of my teams hang in the balance. I'll likely lose by four to six points like I always do. But Matt, how you doing on this beautiful Monday? That's why I gave you that uh, meme that they made uh, of uh, Buda Baker says so my, my team's W and DK yeah. Metcalf chasing after yep. him as an L. It feels like this season. It's been uh, it's been pretty good. Still waiting to see if we can hit double digits temperature wise uh, today. Um, not nice. that I've had to experience a lot of it. My poor wife had to go to school, but we uh, we were on a on remote work, uh, which is nice since you know I do IT stuff. So yep. I've still been just plugging away since a little after five this morning. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I got a little bit lucky taking off this week. Woke up, got ready this morning. Didn't have to take my son to school because some stuff going on. But walked and looked outside, raining, about 38 degrees outside. My job mostly consists of me being outside. I was like, yeah, this is a great first week to miss. Actually, I'm not. I'm not too sad about it. Sucks for the guy filling in for me right now, but it is what it is. Uh, week seven, man, did we see a lot of. Uh, Really good games, including that one last night where I actually got to watch a full Sunday night football game and did not, uh, it did not disappoint. At least the end of it didn't. I, I did miss the DK Metcalf play, but once everybody was talking about it on Twitter, I went back and watched it. 
So just that DK is such a freak. But we'll get to that game in a minute. Let's start it off with the Lions and the Falcons, where the Lions, as I was watching this game as well, came back with an improbable victory in this one. 23-22, Stafford 18 points, Swift 14, Galladay 17, Jones 13, and of course, Hawkinson 16 points. Before the game, we got a lot of reports coming out saying that Swift was going to see an increased role, but that did not really happen. What do you think happens moving forward? Yeah, kind of. uh, So for the question down there, I would go with Henderson. Yes, I would go with Henderson as well. Uh, Swift, it was interesting because it's not like we asked Detroit to tell us, is he going to see an increased role? It's like they volunteered that, hey, he looked really good last week. He's going to see an increased role. And I don't know if it was game flow or whatever you would figure this should have been a good matchup for their offense but he ends up with fewer carries than adrian peterson which isn't that unexpected um you know makes up for it with targets does get the the touchdown i still think he's probably the best play back there but you know an increased role i don't know how much confidence that can give you based on what we're seeing yeah uh I want to say I think it was just a weird game. I mean, that whole – I was kind of flipping back and forth between that one and and, my, and the Browns game, obviously. It just seemed like neither one of these teams could really pull ahead and, and close it out. But I am with you. I, I, it's frustrating. I still think Swift is probably going to be the best back every single week. They, they seem to use him more now in the red zone, which obviously speaks well for him getting touchdowns. And if he gets you a touchdown or two, like he did last week, then he's really going to make your week – Maybe we need to, not that either one of us were pumping him up as an RB1 start every single week, but I think he does still have the shot at being a, a low-end RB2. Would you agree with that, or you st- you think he's more RB3 week to week? I mean, I think there's a possibility he's getting the passing game work, so in PPR that, that seems to help. The Lions in general are sometimes a little bit hard to to figure out, so it it almost feels like, you know, we'll we'll get to the situation when we talk about Tampa Bay, but there's a lot of guys where you get excited. It seems like they've done enough that they sh- they've shown us they should be the guy. You would think they've shown their coach they should be the guy, and yet you know they come out during the week they say he's going to have an expanded role. That didn't seem to mean anything on Sunday. So then it becomes a question. Of, you know, if at the goal line. Adrian Peterson gets to punch that in instead of Swift. You're talking about a guy who gave you eight points as opposed to a guy who gave you 15 points. Yeah, it's unfortunately going to be frustrating moving forward unless, unless I guess Peterson gets hurt. Uh, We haven't, whoops, we haven't really seen much of carry on. So I I don't think he's going to factor in. It really seems to be just Swift. Uh, and Peterson there for Atlanta's side here. Ryan, 17 points. Gurley, 22. Julio Jones, 17. Calvin Ridley, 19. Hayden Hurst, 12. Kind of the same story here with the Falcons. Are you worried at all about them breaking this team up? We're a week and a half away from the trade deadline now. Yeah, I think the thing that keeps any of these pieces from getting traded is the most likely it would seem is like a Matt Ryan or a Julio Jones. I doubt they're going to try to move Calvin Ridley, who's ascending, or, or Hayden Hurst, who they just signed. But the contracts for those guys make it really hard to imagine. I would be more concerned probably about getting broken up in the offseason. Atlanta's not very good. They have plenty of talent on paper. It looks like they should have talent on the field. They just, you know, they produce some really impressive numbers, but since that collapse in the Super Bowl, they just have not been able to be a team to close things out 
or you know to make it happen in the clutch and i think that that's going to be a real problem for them long term uh you know and there's already been some talk you know not this year per se but next year about whether or not Matt Ryan is the guy they're going to obviously hire a new coach their ownership has discussed that that person will be given a chance to evaluate Matt Ryan, that he's not necessarily safe. And you have to think at some point in time, they've just been hanging around this year. They may actually bottom out low enough that they get a decent quarterback prospect. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the interesting thing. I was looking at that earlier. I was in a, another discord talking about uh, just a quarterback prospects and how I think there could easily be five, maybe even six that go in the first round this year. And some of the teams up there at the top and who, who could actually end up taking them. I'm with you. The contracts, I know specifically for Ryan and Jones, they seem almost immovable. I, I just can't see. I, there was a lot of talk in this specific Discord uh, about Ryan possibly going to the Cowboys, and I'm just like, there's no way. Like The Cowboys don't have near enough cap room, and Matt Ryan's contract is just massive. So, And honestly, I, the I don't see it. I would have there is, not that I don't like Matt Ryan, but he'd be stepping into an arguably almost mirror or worse situation than when he's in. They have plenty of talent. Having talent hasn't been the problem. It's the team doesn't seem to have the instinct to close things out and they don't have any kind of defense to back them up. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not surprised Atlanta would look at making a change. I wouldn't say that they're in this situation because of Matt Ryan, but by the same, we haven't exactly seen him even in the best of times in his career, he seemed to struggle at times in big in big games. He's a fascinating case. I just I don't see them being able to trade him because of his contract and his age. And if the team that you're already on that has one win is talking about your career coming to an end, it's hard to imagine like a contender's like, oh, we've got to have that and the forty yeah. million dollar price tag that comes with it. Yeah, that's 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 the biggest thing right there. The price tag. Next up, the uh, Browns pull off an improbable victory against the Bengals, thirty-seven to thirty-four. Uh, Mayfield twenty-nine points, Hunt nineteen, Richard Higgins seventeen, Jarvis Landry ten, Odell unfortunately with the zero. Harrison Bryant, who your boy here talked about on the Friday podcast, twenty-one points, and Joku ten. Obviously, Mayfield has uh, the big day here without Odell. I mean, he starts 0-5, throws that interception, which unfortunately causes Odell to get hurt, and then turns it around to, at one point, going, I believe he set the record at 20 21. for 20. 21. 21. Okay, I knew it was 20 or 20. So 21 for 21 before he ends up going 22 of 28 in the game or something well, like he that. Like really, he would have gone 22 for 22. He just had to spike the ball. That's not yeah. even a, like a... Yeah, it was... He was amazing in that second half, and I, including the leader of our our fearless network here, Ricky Valera, I tended I got into it with a couple people on Twitter about that because I don't care if you're playing the Bengals, if you go twenty for twenty one or twenty one for twenty one against any NFL team, that is an accomplishment. I you know I I put out there that I was I was a little pissed that so many people were talking as badly about Odell as they were in the first half, which, again, he was 0 for 5 with that interception. He did not look good. It looked like a continuation of last week. And then he went off in that second half going, as you mentioned, the 21 for 21, four touchdowns up until that point because he hadn't thrown the fifth one yet. And 
everybody was like, oh, well, you know, you can't really take that in consideration because he's playing the Bengals. It doesn't matter. We've seen other teams play the Bengals this year and not look that good. So you, we need to take a look at what Baker did there. I'm not saying he's back, not the best quarterback in the NFL, but is damn impressive. I guess the big question is going to be now, and I know what I think, and I'm not quite as worried, but what are your thoughts here now on what the Browns offense and what Baker is going to look like with Odell missing? We did get confirmation this morning that he has an ACL injury, so he is out for the rest of the year. He's going to be back with Cleveland next year. Uh, he has a guaranteed $12 million due to injury and injury clause in his contract. They, In my opinion, I could be wrong because the Cleveland does have a lot of cap room. I don't see any way they cut him and just eat $12 million. But I don't know also if he'll be ready for the start of the season. We're already in week seven. Usually the ACLs take you about a year to get ready, so we may not even see him until I would say best guess week three or four of the season next year. So you're going to be out of out without Odell for a long time. Yeah. And you know, we've, we've wondered for this last season and a half, is he a good fit there? You know, it seemed like potentially they never could really get in sync and it's almost, you know, we have, you have to see more than one single game against the Bengals, but it almost felt like, once he got hurt and was no longer there, it was back to Baker just looking for whoever was open and looking more like what he looked like his first season when he came in before they had Odell, when people got excited about him. I mean, he actually legitimately looked like the guy you thought he might be when you thought he could potentially challenge to be a QB one completes 20, 22 of 23 passes, five touchdowns. You're not going to get the production every game, but it looked like he was just looking for the open man. We saw people's Jones get involved. We saw Rashard Higgins get involved. He went to Landry when he was available. He used both the tight ends. He was using the running backs. Their offense looked better. And, you know, some, there are players that are great. And then there are also situations that are almost like addition by subtraction. I talked about a couple of weeks ago, how much better Carolina's fundamental offensive design seemed to be, for a couple of weeks after Christian McCaffrey was gone and McCaffrey's a great player. I wasn't the only one that noticed that I heard them talking about the same thing on NFL radio on yeah. Sirius the other day. Odell is a great player. Maybe he's not a great fit. I agree 100%. I know um, I've talked about it on the Browns podcast. I don't know. I'm sure I've mentioned it on here. Baker, Last year, in the games where he didn't have to force Odell the ball were the best games that he played in that Freddie Kitchens offense. The problem is, and I'm going to reference him, he's getting a ton of pub today. He's a great guy uh, in the uh, OBR Draft Room podcast, Jake Burns, uh, the Orange and Brown, d- breaks down a lot of all, breaks down Baker all the time. He's really great, former quarterback. He, he does a great job with that, does videos on YouTube as well. And that's what he talked about. It's one of those things where, He's in, if you watch it, and it's something you were just talking about, Baker seems to be in sync with everybody. Like, we've talked about it for years. His connection with, or I've talked about it at least, Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Landry has always been there. It was never there with Odell. And maybe that's just due to the fact that Odell, they wanted to force him the ball. And we saw that with Eli. Eli would force him the ball. Now, the difference is Eli, much taller than, than Baker, doesn't get rattled in the pocket like Baker does. You don't see Eli do the the boots and everything like Baker does. So 
I think this offense is going to be perfectly fine. I, I hate to say that because everybody knows who's listening to this podcast for years. I'm a massive Odell fan. I think he's a great player. But I think this goes back to now Baker just being able to read the field the way that he did his rookie season, as you mentioned, and he's just going to hit the open player because something that Jake Burns mentioned on that podcast that I never even really thought about is there were times that he looked at when he was watching the film is that he would look for Odell like he had to force it to him, and then he'd look back and then look back at Odell again because it was something that was like designed just for Odell. And then he would force him the ball. It's the same thing that happened yesterday. He forced that ball to him. If you go back and look at the film, Landry was open five yards underneath the route. Like he was open five yards right there. And Baker, you can see that Baker clearly probably sees him because he's right in his line of sight. But instead of going to Landry, he takes the deep shot to Odell and causes everything to happen. So I'm wondering if maybe he will just go back to what we mentioned, rookie season. He's just going to hit the open people. And, and that's his, but that's his game. That's where he thrives, and that's why I don't think there's going to be any issue. And that seems to to be a thing that can happen to some of these young yeah. quarterbacks when they feel like there's a receiver they need to get the ball to. Watching Denver play yesterday, it seemed like Drew Locke was trying to force the ball to Noah Fant mm-hmm. quite a few times, and that's where he got his pick six. He was trying to force the ball. You know, even the announcer started commenting. You know, sometimes you got to take what's open, and you got to yeah. you got to move and it looked like Baker was able to play a little freer, you know, and we'll have to see if that continues. And, you know, I think what adds to that trying to force the ball, not only is Odell a great player, we've also seen him be a player that if you don't get him involved, you can lose him. So I think, you know, whether the coach is telling you to do it or it's in your mind that, Hey, I don't want him to be mad and, and for us to lose this. So I got to try to show him I'm trying to get the ball. Those can be things that just, don't work and take you out of rhythm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't know how much Odell did that. And there's really no way for any of us to know, you know, in, in my opinion, he always said the right things in the media, especially this year. Hey, I'm just here to win. He's like, I don't care yeah. about my stats. Like, yes, I want to be legendary, but and if it we could win, be just his reputation come, too. Well, and so that's what I was, that's what I was going to bring up. Not, like not actually what he's. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was getting. He's like, I don't want it to come out like we're saying it's Odell's fault because I don't think it was, and I don't think you do either. But it's one of those things where he comes with that. It like he, as I posted on Twitter when I saw the news, he was on pace to be one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. And then he's gotten hit with these injuries. Like we all kind of seem to forget at times how good he was in New York before he started getting hurt. And I think you're right. That kind of comes with it. It's like this kid is so good. I've got to get him the ball and let him make plays. And when you're forcing, you can't force stuff in the NFL. You just can't. Like every once in a while you can, you'll get away with it. But you can't do it as much as it seemed like they were. So I'm with you. I think he's going to start taking, uh, you know, what's given to him, which I think is going to be a boost for Landry. Obviously, Landry's finally likely going to start getting the volume again. Higgins, you know, I, I was talking to a couple people again in that Discord that I think uh, DPJ might actually take a little bit of a leap forward. I think he's the one that moves into that like Z type role that Beckham was playing. And when he gets open, Baker's going to hit him. Now I don't think he's going to be a play every single week, but I think he's the one that moves into that Higgins probably goes into the slot, but all in all, I think it feels, I feel bad saying this, but I feel like this is, could be a good thing for the Browns moving forward. I think frees up the Baker, just being able to read and hit whoever's open instead of trying to force the ball to certain players. Uh, on Cincinnati's side, Burrow has a huge day here. 33 points, Geo 20, T. Higgins 18, A.J. Green 15, Tyler Boyd 27, and Drew Sample 10. Again, another good game for the Bengals. Came up just short. Uh, what were your thoughts on this offense? Is it 
the Bengals continuing to put their put you know another step forward, or is it Browns defense kind of has been a, a little bit of a get well team for some offenses? You know, I think we've seen uh, Cincinnati and uh, to some extent Chargers with Herbert have some really good performances. They've looked good. They've moved the ball at times. They just can't quite get the win. The, the entire team isn't there. And I thought this was an encouraging performance, you know, and he's looked good this season. Hopefully the wins will come at some point. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Hodge when he comes back, Phil. Um, if again, I know you follow me on Twitter, so you probably seen me talking about it. I, I did not understand why he was starting over Higgins to begin with. Um, you know, some people I've seen as we were talking about it, cause Higgins made the huge catch yesterday. Obviously that really kind of helped set up the touchdown for DPJ. Uh, the, the talk was that maybe Higgins is just not a good practice player because he's looked so bad in practice. They moved Hodge over him. I would think with the way Higgins has looked in the games the past three weeks, there's no way that he at least replaces Higgins. Now, maybe he moves into that Z role. He's obviously the fastest out of all the wide receivers on the team. I don't know if he's faster than DPJ, but he might be. But I think him and DPJ would be the ones that fill in that role. I think Higgins is now secured in that slot role with with Landry going to the X spot would be my guess. Obviously, I could be wrong. I don't even know when we're going to see Hodge back because they put him on the IR, and I've literally heard nothing about it since then. That was week two, so he was eligible to come off two weeks ago. We've heard nothing, so I don't know. Uh, a hamstring injury. He, I think he like tore his hamstring, not like a pull, like a tore. So that could be, you know, if it's one of those I've heard because everybody's talking about it this year, grade two could mean anything from six to eight weeks and a grade three could mean your season. So I don't think it was a grade three. And I think we would have heard he's not coming back at all. So we might be looking at him not coming back for another couple of weeks. I think the biggest thing before we move on to the next game, or I'll give him and I'll give my thoughts on Cincinnati is, I'm curious to see if they make any moves to bring somebody else in because they literally literally only had three wide receivers on their roster yesterday once Odell went down. They've only had the four. So they're not going to be able to go in next week's game day with just Landry, Higgins, and DPJ because if one of them gets hurt, you're only throwing two wide receivers out there. So will they make a move? Will they bring somebody up from their practice squad? That'll be something I'll be interested to watch. You know, They had Ratley, but I think he's with the Giants now. They signed him off their practice squad. So it, they're going to have to likely make a move somewhere. What do they do? I'll be interested to see that. For Cincinnati, I'm with you. Um, Burrow, he's just good. You can still trust him, Burrow. I know he had the bad game. Uh, what was that, last week or two weeks ago? Yeah. But what was it? he was playing a really good defense when he was at the Steelers. I can't remember. Balt- Baltimore, right? Yeah, Is it Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. I, I mean, a lot of people have bad games against Baltimore. If, if the, he's not playing one of those top-tier defenses, I think he's going to be good. Um, for me, T Higgins, I think has asserted himself as that two right across from Boyd. Another big game here. Shouldn't have had the touchdown. In my opinion, it was really bad tackling, but still ends up getting the touchdown there. I think the best news for, for Bengals fans and for T Higgins fans in fantasy is the fact that AJ green has looked as good as he has the past couple weeks. If they can move him at the trade deadline, then I think it really kind of spikes Higgins value up even more. Which really is just probably a couple of days because they were saying yeah. this morning with with COVID situation, you know, any big moves that are going to happen will probably happen by Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. AJ Green has looked a little bit better. I still hadn't put him back in my lineup, but now it's so, yeah, fr- it's- it's so frustrating. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, if I don't know who they play this coming week, but I would still think I'm I'm still starting T. Higgins and Boyd over him just because they seem to get more targets. Like Green's coming up, but at the same time, I it hurts me to say this. I almost think it's more the Browns' defense. Like I know Green had a good game last week as well, but I, I just I, I don't know if I can trust him. Man, T. Higgins and Boyd look better to me. And I mean, I watched that entire game for the most part. So they're playing Tennessee. So. Well, Tennessee's defense is beatable in that secondary for sure. So, uh, next up, Steelers and Titans. Speaking of Tennessee, uh, Steelers win this one 27 to 24, moving to the Owen, only 5 and 0 team now in the season, correct? Because Seattle yeah, lost last night. team in the season. Uh, Big Ben 12 points, James Conner 14. Uh, Deontay Johnson, my guy, 29 points, Juju 17, and E. Braun 11. Johnson soared in his return, but Juju also looked better. Does Juju maybe benefit more from having Johnson back than Claypool, like we thought on Friday? Yeah, it seems like the rhythm with Johnson and Juju out there is a little bit better, and then Claypool almost nothing. You know, they, they tried to manufacture a couple touches, didn't look great. Um, Connor, owner, uh, Connor, p- people that played Connor must be pissed because he was running so good. I was watching him. He's spinning. He's doing everything. Got tired. They take him out of the goal line. Friggin' many smell. Yep. Yeah. And Connor caught that touchdown that they take back because of. Yeah. I think he had two touchdowns called back, if I recall. I know he had at least one, but that was. Uh, yeah, so I know I saw brutal. one. But yeah, I thought they, they looked better. Second half, they kind of fell off. Um, yeah. Which was interesting. Uh, but you know, Juju definitely, he made some good plays. It looked like they were looking for him more. Uh, Ben actually got picked off at the end of the game, trying to put one to him in the end zone and he was triple covered. So I'm sorry. I'm still wondering if part of it is when Johnson was gone, that Smith Schuster gets so much coverage that that's why they were going to other places. And when Johnson's back, sometimes he gets, you know, more normal coverage. Yeah. And Johnson could have had four touchdowns in that one too. I saw the, the, I can't remember. I didn't see the third one that could have happened, but I did see the fourth one where he dropped it, right? Like it hit him in the hands backside of the end zone and he dropped it. I wish he would have come up with that. would have helped me feel a little bit safer about tonight's game for my teams. But, you know, I talked about it on Friday. I, I still think, and I think Johnson proved it this week. He's the one for that offense. Him and Ben just have a great connection. I don't, <clears throat> excuse me. I hate comparing players like this, and I'm not trying to say they have the same skill talent, but he almost seems like he plays the A-B role when he's in this offense. As their one, Ben loves to target him. We saw him target him a ton yesterday. I'm not writing off Claypool. I know you aren't either. It's just one of those games. I think they'll likely get Claypool more involved next week. Obviously, Johnson, though, for me, is the clear one you need to play every single week in this offense. The one thing I will say, uh, because you said it was kind of weird that they they fell off in the second half there, was for me, I think it's it's Big Ben. I I don't think he's – he still, to me, does not look as good as he has in the past couple years, and and I think that's kind of what leads it. He can't throw – I don't think he's going to be able to throw it 500 times. Now, again, maybe that's still him working that elbow back. He did just have Tommy John surgery, which, again – as a big baseball fan as I am, that's a big deal. That That's a year-long injury where most pitchers, if they have it at the beginning of their season, don't come back until mid-season for their baseball teams to throw. So that might be something where he's still trying to work his arm out a little bit. Maybe it's still a little bit weak. Uh, he doesn't seem to always have the zip on his throws like he did before. I don't want to say 
you know, this is who Big Ben is because I do want to give him time to see if maybe he has something he can come back from. But he, he definitely doesn't look the same, in my opinion. Well, if you look at, like, the big quarterbacks that were in his uh, draft class, so far he has thrown it 214 times this season. So mm-hmm. in six games, 214, he he's tracking to throw 600 times. Because, I mean, you have to figure... Yeah, 35 a game, pretty much. Yeah, two more games before he hits the midway point would put him right around 300. But if you look at the quarterbacks that he was drafted with in that class, Eli Manning's retired and wasn't spectacular the last two seasons before he retired. Phillip Rivers, we've talked about a number of times what he looked like last year in Los Angeles and what he looks like for the Colts. So, you know... It's right about the right time. Ben's never been the kind of – he's not like Brady where he's been able to get the ball out or Manning or, yeah. or somebody where you don't – he's the kind of guy that just hung in there with like 27 guys on him, ripping him down. He's always been very physical, and, and that takes – I think that wears you down more uh, and more quickly than some other styles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so Tennessee side here. Tannehill, 17 points. Derrick Henry, 15. A.J. Brown, 27. Corey Davis, 15. John Who Smith, 1. Titans lose a heartbreaker here. Could have gone into overtime if their kicker just makes a kick who struggled this year as well. Freaking Boskowski. Yeah, he's he struggled this year. I remember, was it week one? He missed like three or four kicks against Denver. Four. Four. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not had a great year. Uh, but AJ Brown, I mean, since he's come back, has been one of the best wide receivers in the league. Is he a wide receiver one for you the rest of the season? I think so. I, what held us back was thinking that Tannehill wasn't going to throw a lot, but with the way they're playing defense, uh, Tannehill has been sitting back there and throwing a lot. They have been more pass friendly than <clears throat> they look like at times to end last year. Last year, it seemed like their kind of method of winning was to throw for 140 yards and to run for 200 yards. Uh, this year they've they've shown that they can kind of throw in equal measure. Uh, he's gotten Corey Davis and Humphreys involved, but Brown has looked at a different level, and it was really his kind of 70-yard touchdown there that, that kind of lit a fire under Tennessee yesterday. He's looked really strong. Yeah, I mean, not only since he's come back this year, I think we can even go back to when Ryan Tannehill took over last year. A.J. Brown has kind of jumped on. Uh, I think he's he's firmly supported or submitted that he's got to be in your lineup every single week, no matter what. He, he's been awesome. Janu, I think I'm just taking it as a bad week. Not he's been, yeah, he, he's been great so far this season so i'm not panicking just yet now if it happens again i might start to panic but they did look for him in the end zone and one uh one of the past i think it either got broken up or there was a penalty called back so they still looked for him and obviously the touchdown helps your day a little bit more but i'm just going to take it as still coming off the ankle injury from last week everybody's allowed to have a bad game i'm, I'm gonna give him one Steelers also have good linebackers and make yeah. Patrick at safety so if i wasn't if I had to choose, I might not throw out Mika Fitzpatrick either. Yeah. Uh, Saints and Panthers. Saints win this one 27-24. Bridgewater, 19 points. Mike Davis, 8. DJ Moore, 25. Robbie Anderson, 13. And Curtis Samuel, he's back, baby. He's back. 17 points. That's the lead one. running back. Hey, that's all right. That's all I want. I just wanted points. I just said he was going to be good. I don't <laughs> care where. They could put him at tight end, and I'd be happy. Uh, but we finally saw all three receivers do it. Do you think that that continues? I did just see um, 
reports coming across right there as we were talking about the Steelers game. Uh, CMC was practicing today, but then when it came to the physical part of practice, he put a red jersey back on. I don't know if that means he's going to be ready for week eight. I know there was a lot of speculation he wouldn't be, but what are your thoughts on the receivers getting it done today? And if CMC comes back, how much do you think that changes this offense? (coughs) So if CMC comes back, it changes it. I would be more speculative if that's what they're saying about today because Carolina plays Thursday night. Yep. And they play Atlanta, so it'd be a great game for him. A great nice game for him one. to come back. It'd also be a great game for the receivers if he doesn't come back because it did seem like you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, was Mike Davis playing at a level where he was going to maintain and then the last two weeks have not been very good. Um New Orleans does seem to do better stopping the run than stopping the pass, so maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but it was nice to see that all the receivers get involved. DJ Moore um, caught a couple big ones for a touchdown. Yeah. Anderson still seems like the guy they're targeting the most. It was nice that they found a creative way to get Samuel involved. That's the one I'd have the least confidence in still moving yeah. forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Anderson's still the clear one. Moore, I think... More is matchup based, and and we've talked about the Saints passing defense has not been good, and and I think that was a great place for you to play him this week. Atlanta will be a great place to play him as well until he, I guess, kind of asserts himself more. Like I still love more. I think he's the best wide receiver on that team. But at, you're right; they ex, they just go to Anderson more than they do anybody else. So he he's the one there for them. On New Orleans side, Breeze twenty three, Kamara twenty two, Latavius Murray six. Uh, Traquan Smith, nine and Jared cook 12 points. Uh, obviously they're still starting Kamara and, uh, cook breeze every single week. Murray, I think was more just a ma- matchup based here for watching people were playing him. The big news is going to be obviously Michael Thomas. Uh, there was rumors that came out early yesterday or sun was Sunday or Saturday that he likely Sunday. won't be ready yeah. by week eight as well. Now with this hamstring injury. And then of course the rumor surfaced that, uh, what was it? Front office personnel and, and different multiple NFL teams have said that uh, the Saints are looking to trade Michael Thomas. I'm, some people believe that he's not injured. It's more due to the trade request. But what are your thoughts and what are we doing with Michael Thomas? Yeah, I mean, the Saints could really use him. Next week, they play Chicago. It's not an incredible um, you know, matchup, but now with Emmanuel Sanders on the, the COVID list, uh, he's probably a long shot for week eight, uh, especially since he didn't go on to the COVID list until I think it was Friday, right? Friday, it was Friday yeah, it was right before we so, started recording, yeah. Not uh, not a great sign. Breeze, though, finding a way to get it done, maybe a little bit like um, like what we said about Baker. He, he was just slinging it around. They – they used Deontay Harris uh, in the touchdown. Traquan Smith got it when he was open. Cook got it when he was open. Kamara has been rock solid this season. Um, there was another guy they used, but I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Mark so, Marquez Callaway. Yeah, Marquez Callaway. So, but Thomas, it's been a brutal, you know, bad beat for a guy that was pretty much a consensus first round pick. You've gotten 2.9 PPR points this season. Doesn't look like he's going to be back week eight. I don't feel great even in Dynasty hearing about this happy trade rumbling. 
I mean, that's the last thing you expected after last year and what he seemed to mean to this team and getting a long-term contract last year and but now punching a teammate and I don't know. It's it's been a bad situation. The thing in in redraft, I've seen a lot of people, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this high scoring piece right now so I can get Michael Thomas for a title run. I'm not sure that benefits you. And at yeah. the same time, if you have him in redraft, I based on where you drafted him, I don't know that you just want to completely give up yet. It's like we need a little more information. He's in that gray zone of feels untradeable to me right now. Yeah. Well, in redraft at this point, I mean, especially if we find out he's going to be out week eight, I, I'm not against trading. I mean, we're already in crunch time to make the playoffs. I mean, you're five weeks away now at this point from playoff time. Well, and is your team even a playoff contender if he was your first round? Yeah, pick? well, I mean, I know in, savage. in one redraft league um, where I saw it went down this weekend. Now I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, the guy who has Michael Thomas is in third place right now. Third, yeah, he's like, uh, what is it? Four and I get he'll be four and three because I'm pretty sure he's going to win his matchup this week. So he'll be four and three uh, sitting. He's tied in like third with like the fourth and fifth team right now. And he moved before the game. Michael Thomas for, and I got Let me see if I can find it really quick. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't like a horrible trade. He got back a good, I know the wide receiver didn't help him out. Oh, he got Miles Gaskin and DJ Chark. Now, Chark didn't do anything yesterday, but he also needed some running back help. That's not a bad trade. I mean, you just got two players. Now, are they going to put up Michael Thomas numbers? No, but we don't know when Michael Thomas is even going to come back at this point. So, and if it's one of those teams where you feel like you have to win now, you know, like I'll use one of my redraft teams that I need to win this week because I'm sitting at two and four. If I go to two and five, my season's pretty much over with. I have a shot, but it's an outside shot at this point. Now, if I go to three and four, I feel a little bit better. So if it's one of those teams where, you have to win every single week now at this point. You're not one of the top teams. At this point, I, I don't see why not trade Michael Thomas. If you can get something back for that's going to help you win this week, because it's almost you have to take that NFL mentality of week to week now at this point. You've got to do whatever you can to win this week, because if you lose, your season's done with. Dynasty, I don't think I'm moving him. Uh, I did uh, have a big discussion with this uh, with someone in a 16-teamer last night, because I've got... Um, in this league against 16-teamer, we can only start two running backs. I've got J.K. Dobbins, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, and DeAndre Swift as, as are my running backs. And he has Michael Thomas, and he needs a running back. And he's like, well, let's do a deal. Let's figure out. I need like one of those and a good wide receiver for Michael Thomas. And my argument was, number one, I don't need a wide receiver. I have Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, uh, DJ Chark, who else? Uh, Allen Robinson, somebody else. And, and we can only start three wide receivers as well. There's no flex spots. And my argument to him was, was exactly what you were saying is I don't have a good vibe from Michael Thomas right now. If he gets traded, I understand he's one of the best wide receivers in the game, but part of his value comes from Drew Brees targeting him as much as he does. And targets and volume is key in fantasy. Now, will Michael Thomas still put up points when he goes to another team? Yes, I'm sure he will. Will he be number? Will he be wide receiver number one or number two overall on another team? I am not so sure, and so I'm not sure I want to give up the a ton for a guy that may end up taking a hit. Where I have I have wide receiver one now in Devontae Adams. So uh, for me, it's one of those things where dynasty. 
I think you still have to sell him as the best wide receiver in the game if you're going to get something from him. But my thing, almost like we talked about with James Robinson, I'm not sure I want to pay that for him now because I just don't know what's going on with him. Well, the crazy thing is, given all that's gone on, I don't, you know, let's say he becomes available week nine. I, I guess you're starting him because he's Michael Thomas, but yeah, I don't even know what you're going to get. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 insane to see. I don't want to see a drop off because I still think he's Michael Thomas, but just 2020's been a motherfucker of a year and this and this is just adding to it with with making things extremely annoying. And the one thing I will say on Michael Thomas cuz you were saying you kind of do I wonder if it's just losing kind of covers everything or not losing winning covers everything up and the Saints before Michael Thomas went out did not look like they were going to be a good team and really up until the punching of the teammate and everything. I mean, they had just lost to the Raiders. They had not looked like they were going to be a good team. Maybe the losing kind of boiled over. I mean, again, I I don't want to just defend him because he's a former Buckeye, but from Ohio State up until really this point in time, until this year, we have not seen him be the guy that we're all of a sudden finding out he is because it goes back to the thing this offseason where him and uh was it Devonte parker i think got into the twitter war about who's good and thomas calling him out saying he's not a good wide receiver and all that stuff like thomas has never been that guy so it is a little bit weird maybe it's a and i hate putting the same these people in a sentence together maybe it is an ab situation where the organization did such a good job of covering up what he was indoors, and now it's starting to come out that we're getting a different picture of him. But obviously, yeah, I hope he gets on the field. There was some talk that that was what he was like at Ohio State, too. Yeah, uh, that is true. People who were part of that organization. Yes. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of a, a moment of pause, and that does seem to be the most, the position that attracts that kind of the diva mentality. Yeah. Yeah, that and cornerbacks, both of those two, you've, you've got to have a certain mindset. It seems like. I say that, but then Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, I, Julio Jones, I would even say, yeah. really are not guys that do, do much talking, and I, I I appreciate guys like that. Not that I don't appreciate Michael Thomas. Uh, Bill's Jets did now is not expecting this game to look the way that it did. Uh, very, very disappointed if I'm being but honest. People who are listening right now can expect very faint analysis because both these teams yep. looked tragic. Yeah, yesterday. yeah, that's not a bad thing, though. Bills 18, Jets 10, Josh Allen 16, Zach Moss 10, Devin Singletary 6, Diggs 10, and Cole Beasley 22. Wish I would have started Beasley in my Scott Fishbowl league decided to bench him for uh, for mike williams probably gonna end up losing now so that, i think i benched him too and uh chris carson uh dying on the field didn't help yeah. me in that situation either yeah. yeah i had to start well my running backs are horrid in that which you have to start too so i had to start duke johnson as one of them because i lost um whoever else someone else that just got hurt recently and then at wide receiver, because I actually followed through with the advice I put on Twitter that you need to start Harrison Bryant, I switched out my – oh, no, yeah, I was. it came down to Cole Beasley, Mike Williams, and Harrison Bryant for two spots, and I decided to go Harrison Bryant and Mike Williams instead of Harrison Bryant and Cole Beasley. It looks like I'm going to lose. I think I need him. He's got someone going tonight. I need him to score less than six points, and I think it's Cam Akers. So. Look, I just need Jimmy Graham to outscore David Montgomery by three. 
You know what? I'm cool with both those. I just need Allen Robinson to do better than Cooper Cup. That is all I need. I don't feel like I'm asking for much here, fantasy gods. Help me out. I need this win. Uh, but the Bills side, though, obviously the big question coming out of this game, there's really two, so I guess we can address both of them. Are we worried about Josh Allen? Because it's like the third week in a row we've been talking about this. And what are we doing with the running game now with Zach Moss seeming to be fully healthy and kind of taking control of this running game again? Yeah, but neither look playable. Yeah. I mean, Moss put up better numbers this week. Singletary put up nominally better numbers last week. Neither of them would be a guy you were super pumped to have in your lineup. So that's been a real bummer. Josh Allen's come back to earth a little bit. Um, this should have been a get-well game, but uh, fortunately they have another get-well game uh, after seeing what the Patriots look like uh, next week. Um, but apparently if you're in the Eastern Division of either conference, you may not be a great team. Yeah. It's insane to see because the Bills looked so good earlier this year, and Josh Allen included, and it just – I don't – I, I honestly don't understand. This it. one uh, looks more flummoxing than anything else. The yeah. Jets oh, actually yeah. They led for a decent yep. period of this game, considering that their quarterback put up negative point eight or put up point eight points. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. Cause I was sitting there and I was like, all right, like I, I was watching the Browns game for the most part. And I was like, man, I must, my Josh Allen's probably leading my team to victory. Right and now what, the, what the fuck is going on? And so I would flip over and see that. I was just like, oh my God, I did get to see that. P Ryan touchdown though, which I was really happy with uh, on the, uh, the jet side here. So Sam Darnold 0.8 points. So he was rocking it for your fantasy team. Just, I believe he had negative 24 in Scott fishbowl. Cause I do have him. I didn't play him, but I do still, have him. Still better than Cam Newton. I had to wager. That is probably true. I'll look and see what Cam Newton's was here in a minute. Uh, well, Michael P Ryan gets you to 13 points, Gore six and Denzel Mims, which is, it was cool to see him back on the field, eight points. So jets offense here. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm actually trending more toward kind of trusting the Michael P Ryan. He looked good out there, had a couple good runs against a, a fairly good defense for the bills. Now I'm not saying he's going to be an RB two, but at this point in the season with the way running backs look, he might be someone where I've been talking about for weeks needing to pick him up. He's probably not available. If he is, I would definitely grab him this week. Might be a guy that's worthy of a flex play or if you get like I'm we'll get to the Carson injury. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. Drake out for a couple weeks if he's yeah, I know. If you're someone who's missing one of those guys, Piran may not be a bad player to plug in for those. He's not going to get you 20 to 30 points, but 13 points from a guy you can get off the waiver wire this week already in week seven, week eight is not a bad move. To be fair, most of us have been missing Kenyon Drake for six out of seven weeks. That's true. Fair point. So trusting P Ryan, I mean, let's qualify it in of the four running backs we're talking about in this game. He's probably the best. Yes. If you broaden it out to the entire AFC East, he probably is, you know, it's either him or miles Gaskin. So I, I mean, Given the state of the position and the state of rosters, he's definitely a flex consideration. You take away the touchdown that he lucks into, and it's it's a seven-point day. He's not getting an incredible amount of volume. And this offense doesn't have an incredible amount of volume. The thing that made me laugh the hardest was going on our Dynasty Nerds Facebook page and having a couple of posts saying, What happened to Denzel Mims? Why, you know, why did he have such a terrible performance? I'm like, Dude, he's never played an NFL game. Yeah. And he caught four passes for 40 yards in an offense that 
you know, produced, I think sub 200 yards total. So, I mean, yeah. get it together. That was, I was impressed with what he did. People, oh, he, you know, he didn't look that good. Well, no one's going to look that good. They don't look good. Gase gave up the play calling duties. They seemed like they had a little bit of life at the beginning, but that kind of quickly faded. Yeah. The Jets are not reliable. Well, speaking of them being that bad on offense, I believe it was they had like over 100-something yards in the first half, and then for like most of the second half, they had like barely 50 yards. Like it was a huge difference between the first half to the second half, which might speak toward, my God, why his name just jumped out of my head. Um, um, Head coach Doug McDermott, uh, maybe, right? Is it Doug McDermott? Yeah, Doug McDermott. Okay. I always hear McDermott. No, then I, I think wanna... it's Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott. Doug McDermott's the actor, I think. That's what I was about to say. I always get as soon as I hear McDermott, I think of the actor. Um may have been just because of the the adjustments he made at halftime. So yeah. uh Washington Dallas. Oh god, Dallas. I should be happy about it, but I own so much Zeke that I can't be happy about how bad Dallas has looked. Uh, 25-2-3 for the uh, Washington football team here. Dalton, two points. Um, I hope he's going to be okay, by the way. That was an extremely dirty hit on uh, Dalton, in my opinion. More surprising, I think, to me on why none of the Cowboys players like did anything. I Most times you see a quarterback get taken out like that, they immediately charge the defender. You start a massive fight on the field. Everybody just kind of stood there and was like, oh, okay. So that was uh, a little bit surprising for me. But Zeke, six points. Amari Cooper, 15 I mean, right now, what is it, Danucci? I don't even know his 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 Ben Danucci. Ben Danucci. They've got Garrett Gilbert on the uh, the practice squad in case Dalton can't come back. I mean, what? Are, I don't even know what to say about this Dallas team right now. Well, and I think that's why people are talking about potentially them trading for a quarterback. I just don't necessarily see it happening. It will be interesting to see. Um, you know, I would not say it's a lock that Dalton's available to play. He definitely got yeah. knocked out. They have a kind of must-win game now on Sunday Night Football in Philadelphia, which they really want to hang in the division because with Philadelphia having a tie, if they actually win and go to three wins, they'd have one win over them plus a tiebreaker because of uh, because of beating them head-to-head, and they have the tie on their record, so they'd, they'd be like one and a half or two games up. It's it's not a good situation. And, you know, what's more alarming probably to me is that the Cowboys haven't been good all season, but for fantasy, yeah. their offense was really good. Dalton looked okay when he was against the Giants uh, subbing for Dak at the end of that game, but he looked out of his depth on Monday night. And I know he got hurt here, but he got hurt late in the game. He had yeah. had plenty of time not looking good. The only wide receiver on that team that caught a pass was Amari Cooper. Think about it was that a, for a minute. It was from it was from uh, what's his name as well. That look or he had the best. Uh, his biggest play came from Danucci. Danucci, yeah. yeah. And even Zeke looks yeah. god awful right now, uh, which we know he's a great player. They they fundamentally look lost and they have the same offensive coordinator and play caller that they had a year ago. And arguably the only thing they did off season was get more talent in the skill position with lamb. So is it the line, you know, they've lost some pieces on the line. They're not dominating that way. Is it the play calling? Is it the execution? I don't know, but 
you know, a lot of people got off to hot starts or at least stayed competitive because they have pieces of the Dallas offense. And now you got to be a little bit concerned. I mean, I'm a lot concerned if I'm being honest, even, even with Dak out last week and granted Arizona's defense is not the best, but I would, they're not as good as Washington. I'll put it that way. Washington definitely has a better defense. We still saw those players put up points with Dalton looking just as bad. They, as you mentioned, Dalton went out late in this one. They were doing absolutely nothing. And now I will say, okay, maybe Zeke, it is the line and everything. I mean, I would argue Chubb is probably not as good as Zeke. Uh, I think Chubb's one of the best pure runners in the NFL. Zeke all around, I think, is a better running back. And even Chubb struggled for the most part against this Washington team, as did Kareem Hunt. I remember watching, obviously, when the Browns played him. So, maybe we take it as an okay it's washington they do have a really good front zeke will bounce back but for me wide receiver wise like i'm seriously worried i mean michael gallup we've kind of unfortunately buried to begin with because he's just unfortunately not been a huge part of this offense but cooper and lamb i i mean moving forward whether it's Danucci, i mean unless they trade for ryan fitzpatrick which it seems like that's what everybody wants Danucci, Garrett, Dalton, whoever's out there, I'm not trusting them to necessarily get either one of those guys the ball. You know, I think a more likely situation for Dallas would be trying to like take a Josh Rosen off the practice squad from somebody, or uh, it might not be a bad. See, seeing if Jameis Winston, who's got a very small monetary contract, yeah, can can be acquired. I don't see them going to get, and I. I honestly don't see the Dolphins giving Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's yeah. pretty much all the veteran depth they have. And you are talking about two who's less than a year removed from a massive hip injury. Yeah. You know, if something happened there, they don't want to be in the weeds either. So some of these don't seem realistic as potential trades. Well, the only one I think would be realistic out of that that you mentioned is Rosen because I don't think the I don't think the Saints want to give up Winston either because we've seen Breeze has gotten hurt too and they know that okay if Breeze goes down we have a guy in Winston that can probably help us win they have Super Bowl aspirations where Rosen is sitting on the practice squad so they don't even have to ask Tampa Bay for permission they can no. just sign him and then Tampa Bay I don't even think Tampa Bay has the ability to then say no we want to keep him and they sign him I think if Dallas signs well, him they get him so. This year is a little bit weird in that I'm pretty sure teams can protect two or three players three. on the practice. Oh, that's deck. right. That is right. Uh, because of COVID, whether he would be protected or not. Um, and I think you have the option if somebody's trying to sign him to the active roster, if you're willing to to move your own, the guy to the active roster, you can protect that way. I don't know if they would. Um, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of places to go to get somebody you know they could go do what denver did and sign like a blake bortles which honestly we've seen bortles at least be able to put up fancy number i'm i'm just surprised dalton has looked as bad look the way he has the last two games with this much kind of skill position talent around him He, he thrived with some some lesser sets of players well in cincinnati I hate to put it this way because I don't think it's all on him, but I wonder if it really is just about the coaching. I mean, we've seen the players come out complaining about that because while I obviously have have made no bones about not loving Hugh Jackson as the head coach of Cleveland, he's been known to be a very good offensive coordinator. And Marvin Lewis, for 
as much as people wanted to hate on him toward the end of his career, is considered to be a very good head coach. And he took his Cincinnati team to the playoffs a ton of times. Now, granted, they never won anything. Still not easy to get into the playoffs, especially with Baltimore as good as they were back in the day with Joe Flacco. You had the Steelers, who are always a really good team. The only punching bag you had in that division was the Browns. So maybe it has something to do with the coaching. And it does seem like the players are just – it almost seems like everybody has just given up in Dallas. And even before the DAC injury, I mean, you – I hate to be the one always out or not, not that I'm the only one on this podcast that defends Dak, but like out here defending Dak and the fact that it seemed like if it weren't for Dak, they would seriously be with, they'd be winless right now on the season. Like Dak was the reason they've gotten their, what two wins right now on the season. So I just, I, I don't know what's going on with them. I think I didn't expect it to be this bad, but I mean, I remember saying I did not think Mike McCarthy's hire was a good move for Dallas, and maybe that's really yeah. starting to pan, to pan out, unfortunately. Well, and maybe Jason Garrett wasn't the only coaching problem. I mean, offense, yeah. the defensive coaching has been horrid. atrocious, but yeah. maybe they picked the wrong side of the ball to retain the staff. They retained the offensive staff and let the defensive staff go. Maybe it should have been the other way around. Well, and again, that goes to – good old Jerry because that's what his biggest thing was whatever coach comes in they have to keep Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator that was that was his decision not Mike McCarthy so that'll be I mean I I would imagine we're gonna see some changes when the end of this year comes because you can't just put this team looking as bad as they do on the fact that Dak got hurt because they didn't look great before Dak now Dak's the reason they won but they they've looked absolutely god-awful without Dak on Washington side here, Allen, 16 points, Antonio Gibson, 18, Terry McLaurin, 22, and Logan Thomas, 16. So Ron Rivera makes the move to Kyle Allen, thinking that they have a chance to win this division. I don't know if he had the foresight to predict how bad the division was going to be, but Washington has looked good the past couple games with that defense. What what are we doing with this offense moving forward? I, I think Logan Thomas may be back. He's looked good with Kyle Allen. Yeah, Allen looks like he's looking for him, so I think he's back into uh, rotation play, especially at a weak kind of tight end position. And then Gibson, McLaren, uh, I'm still not probably starting Kyle Allen. Yeah, but they have looked a little bit better. They aren't going to get to play the Giants and the Cowboys every week, though. That is true. Uh, Packers, Texans, Packers, 35, Texans, 20, Aaron Rodgers, 27 points, Jamal Williams, 21, Devontae Adams, first game back, 44 points. It's not his first game back. Yeah, it is. He didn't play last week. Yeah, he did. Oh, did he? My bad. Wait, yeah, in fact, they were on Rodgers, by last week. No, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Forced, uh, you're right, forced, yeah. yeah. Regardless, Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in football right now. Uh, I mean... For me, not much else to say on this game. I, I think yep. Jamal Williams just showed you when Aaron Jones is out, he's definitely worthy of playing when, when Aaron Jones and is he's out. He's guy, looking, not A.J. Dillon. Yeah, and, and I mean. Fire up A.J. Dillon. No. Yeah, yeah, and they said if it was a positive game script, it would be all Dillon. No. Yep. Because it was a pretty positive game script early on. Well, and I mean, we talked about it back in, I want to say, week two or three, that Jamal Williams has actually looked good this year. He's looked completely different than the guy we've seen the past couple of years. So he, he, you're right. He's the guy for them. On Houston's side here, Deshaun Watson, 24. David Johnson, 16. Brandon Cooks, 13. Randall Cobb, 17. Will Fuller, 12. And my guy, Darren Phil, zero points. Uh, you heard yeah. us uh, floating our theory instead. Uh, hold my beer. 
Yeah, well, it's a good thing that in the games that I had, fellas, I switched them out with Harrison Bryant. Like I said, I was all in on my theory that Harrison Bryant was going to be a, a stud that week. So, I mean... I could have played Richard Rodgers and didn't... Well, I'm sorry. That That's my bad. Hey, hey, you know what? I told you to start Richard Rodgers, though. I said maybe it. I was not, only... Not the, over Fells. Uh, maybe not over Fells. But I was pumping Richard Rodgers up. That's the point. Um, <laughs> for for Fells here, are we back to the tight end doesn't matter in Houston? Because it's kind of been like that for a long time. I don't know if it doesn't matter, but isn't rock solid. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, I'm not taking much away from this. Cobb got his one good game. We'll see him pop up again in about four weeks. I'm not taking much away from Cobb there. Uh, I will say Cooks. Are we buying into Cooks a little bit more now? This is another week he's continued to put. I mean, he's not wide receiver one or anything, but he's continued now to produce the past couple weeks. He's didn't get you that. What did he have, like 30-something points last week? But still 13 points. That's good for a low-end two, high-end three. Yeah, I mean, he and Will Fuller are about the same territory to me. All right, Chiefs and Broncos. Chiefs win this one 43-16. Mahomes, uh, 12 points. CEH, 13. Le'Veon Bell, 3. Tyree Kill, 17. And Travis Kelsey, 6. The Chiefs offense looked good in all three phases here, um, especially in the snow, which I was not necessarily expecting. Um, I will lean on you because I did not watch a lot of this game. I was watching my guy Herbert get his first win in the NFL, but uh, did Bell look good in his uh, increased touches this week? Yeah, he had 39 yards on six carries. Um, he, I think his first carry was like 19 yards, which I want to say is longer than anything he had with the Jets because uh, they were talking about he, had, I, he I don't think he even had a 20-yard play with the Jets. They, they scored on defense and they scored on special teams, so they didn't have to score on offense. Uh, that's why numbers are a little bit down. On Denver's side here, Locke 12 points, Gordon 12, Lindsey 7, Patrick 7, uh, Fant 6, and Albert O negative 13? No, he got 13. 13, I'm sorry. Melvin Gordon. I saw a lot of your uh, posts yesterday. You did not seem happy with him. A couple pictures depicting his play. Uh, what, 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 what happened with Denver? I mean, did you? he fumbled twice. Uh, he I got the ball punched out. He ran like, like a bitch. <laughs> and then he, his second fumble was a flea flicker that he threw over Locke's head. Oh, wow. Like, are, are you a dumbass? Philip Lindsay, unfortunately, got knocked unconscious by the yeah. Chiefs. He got a helmet to helmet. He had nine carries for 73 yards. He was averaging 8.8 yards per carry. He was lighting it up every time. I was frustrated when they took him off the field. And when he got knocked out, I was like, well, there goes the offense. Locke struggled at times trying to force the ball. It seemed like to Fant a lot early. Uh, didn't work, but he has a good connection with Alberto. I think that's that seemed positive. Uh, Denver, they don't look great. They host the Chargers next week, so you will probably be watching that, and I will be watching, will be watching that watching for wholly different reasons. I, I, I'm all in on Herbert, man. That kid's been absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see Albert O, though, do good things. I mean, they played yeah. together in college. We we had talked about it with John Love. We I remember we had him on the podcast earlier in the year talking about how much he loved Albert O. And so could it be a very interesting thing for that offense, though, moving forward, if they can go to like a more two tight end sets and having both guys like that on the field might help out Locke. I, I do want to ask really quick before we we move on to the next game. What are your thoughts on Locke right now? Because there's a lot of people I saw all over Twitter yesterday kind of 
it, almost the the Baker effect, I'll put it in, is there are so many people saying it's time for the Broncos to move on from Locke already, and a bunch of people saying we got to give him some more time. Where do you land on Locke? Yeah, I mean, he's 5-3 and three in in his eight complete games as a starter. Technically, his starting record's 5-4 and four because of that Steelers game where he got knocked out after a series. Yeah. Um, he hasn't looked... Great, but he hasn't looked like Dennis Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, yeah. Dwayne Haskins, yeah. or Dennis Haskins, Mr. Yeah. Golden. <laughs> All right, uh, Buccaneers Raiders. Buccaneers win this one 45 to 20. Brady 36 points, Ronald Jones 10, Leonard Fournette 15, Chris Godwin 23, Scotty Miller 22, and Rob Gronkowski 17. There's a split in this one between Jones and Fournette. Uh, what are you thinking about for that? I don't. You know, we talked about it Friday. Jones was been has been playing phenomenal the past couple of weeks. It looked like he had taken a stranglehold on this job, and then here comes Fournette. And Fournette outsnapped him, and especially, you know, he got quite a few targets, which creates just adds to another problem. Um, so I think this really, you know, I was excited. I told you I thought Jones was tracking that he could be in that low range. Running back one territory. Now they're both probably running back twos. Yeah. And it's probably back half running back twos. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. It sucks for, for, for Rojo. Cause uh, like I said, we, we talked about Friday. He, he looked really good. It's not like he's been playing bad the past couple of games. And maybe it's like Lindsay and Gordon to me. I mean, yeah. Lindsay was almost nine yards a carry. As the nickel running back, gotcha. So yeah, it, I mean, it still sucks because, which I guess we should have expected. They didn't bring Fournette in to just be sitting on the bench, but it still sucks for for Rojo's side here. Um, Evans does absolutely nothing in this game. We obviously talked a little bit on Friday about AB joining the team. We'll be able to join them in just a couple weeks. Is there enough work to go around to keep all of these guys viable? I will say, yeah. just two years early on my prediction that Mike Evans is not a wide receiver one. Just two years early because it's coming true now. Yeah, and there isn't, um, you know. So Gronkowski got a touchdown here. We saw uh, play in the hurry up and clear third downs. Yeah. I think he's talking about Fournette. Yeah, but I think he's getting more than just that because he was out there on some first and second downs. It literally reminds me of what's happening with Lindsey and Gordon too, because I think Lindsey looks better uh, running. You know, yeah. first and second down, but Gordon's out there, and it's not like Gordon's not going to get some first and second down. Gordon and Fournette probably in somewhat similar position in that they're a bigger name that was brought in by this by the team, so they're they're going to get played no matter what they look like. Fournette, to his credit, actually looked decent yesterday, whereas uh, Melvin Gordon can't complete a flea flicker toss. Um, I AB could be Scotty Miller's backup. Scotty Miller could end up being AB's backup. Yeah. I feel like Scotty Miller gets preferential treatment because Brady likes him because he's a Brady player. And even though the coaching staff in Tampa Bay keeps saying that it was all their idea to bring in Antonio Brown, I seem to remember Tom Brady making comments about wanting to play with him last year when he was in New England. And again, yeah. when he came to Tampa Bay, he's starting to heat things up with Gronkowski. You never know when you're going to get a Cameron Brate sighting. LaShawn McCoy still exists, much to our chagrin. Now you have Godwin, Evans, 
Uh, Tyler Johnson got a touchdown look yesterday. That probably is not happening, but that just kind of shows you there are so many guys popcorning and they're not going to score 45 points every game. So it's going to be a little bit brutal if you have Evans. I think it's going to be brutal at times to have Godwin too. Um, And it's going to be tough when you get excited about playing Rob Gronkowski. Um, sometimes they may have bigger running games. Neither of the running backs really tore it all up. I know Jones got in for a touchdown, and but Fournette caught, I think, five passes for 59 yards. There is a lot of players, and no offense can really sustain that yeah. many guys. Being Everybody looks at these guys and like, oh, he's a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver one. Oh, he's going to have wide receiver two upside. He's going to be a tight end one. He's, these guys are going to be running back twos. No offense can possibly sustain that unless they're scoring 100 points a game, and I think that's not realistic. So Mike Evans was the odd man out yesterday. If he catches one or two goal line balls, which we've seen him do in other games, then somebody like you know Godwin got a touchdown yesterday. That seems yeah. to be more of a more of a stretch to me. Godwin's going to have to try to make points on volume. Uh, Miller, AB, they'll probably use them for deep shots. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think for me on this offense, the only two guys I'm actually trusting now are as where is it going to be to say, but Brady and and Gronkowski. Because yeah. I think even though Gronkowski, he may get limited, drop volume a little bit more with AB coming back. I still think he'll be the guy in the red zone over Evans. Tell so, Cameron Brake catches three touchdowns. That is true. We all want to pull our every hair that we still have yeah. left out. Yeah, but th- those are the only two for me that I'm trusting moving forward. On uh, Las Vegas, Carr 19 points, Jacob 6. Nelson Aguilar 21. I was forced to start him yesterday, so I was excited about that. You should no longer use the word force because I'm well, that you, is true. Nelson well, Aguilar is the wide receiver one in the, for the Raiders, whether we really want to admit that or not. He's yeah. consistently been the guy for Carr deep catching touchdowns. It's depressing, but yeah. And uh, Waller 17 points. What I mean by forced is. It was on a 16-teamer where I had just traded for Michael Thomas earlier last week. I traded for him on Monday, and then the news comes out, so I had to pick somebody up game day because we have a blind bid waivers that run throughout the week, and we didn't find out till late Thursday or Friday that he was going to be out, so I put in blind bids. I was like, the best player available is Nelson Aguilar, and I was just like, I'm hoping for five points, and then obviously has the massive game, which looks like it's going to lead me to a victory, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but what are we doing with this uh, Raiders offense here? You just mentioned Aguilar, the play at wide receiver. You know, are you where are you? I guess slotting him in for you rest of season, wide receiver two, three flex play, and how worried are you about Josh Jacobs? Because it seems like somebody was talking about him not being quite that good this year, and a lot of other people did not agree with that. I'd worry about Jacobs uh, quite a bit right now because a their line. You know, has had some issues. They've had injuries that cost them people. Now they have Brown um, on the COVID IR. You know, they got some of the other guys back. They got four starters back, but those guys didn't all start the season as starters. Yeah. You know, Richie Incognito's gone for the year. They, they lost some other things. Their defense hasn't been holding people down, so they have to throw to play catch-up more. I think that is not Jacob's game no matter how much we want to talk about he has potential to be a receiver. So all those things are, uh, you know, 
feeding into it, he's probably more in the running back two territory. Tampa Bay also has a pretty incredible rush defense. No one runs real well against them. They'll have better days than what he had today. But my wide receiver, Aguilar, seems to be the play right now. That's not to say a Henry Ruggs isn't going to have a game where he go catches two passes for 95 yards and touchdown. Um, that looks good. That seems to be much much more of a boom bust. Aguilar seems to be more consistent. He seems to be developing into what some people thought Hunter Renfro would be. Yeah. As weird as that seems to say. I still have him as a wide receiver three. I'm not going crazy here, but I think he, you know, last last week when we did our rankings, I had him just a little bit over uh, rugs, but still down that territory. I'd probably separate them and move them up more because he, he looks like the guy. He looks like the guy yep. they're looking for, and he actually looks decent. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. He gets out of Philadelphia, and all of a sudden, he catches everything that comes his way, which was kind of his biggest issue in in Philly. Because this thing, they had him as a high draft pick, and a lot of people liked him. He just never seemed to. Every time they, it seemed like he would make these huge drops when the Eagles needed it the most, and and kind of got that bad taste in their mouth, and they move on from him. And I don't know if if. You know, Gruden's put a little bit more stick him on his gloves or what he's doing, but he's catching everything his way, and it's definitely working out for him. Well, and I mean, he had, we talked about before, he had a couple of seasons there, year three and four in yeah. Philly, where he caught around 70 passes. Um, so, you know, I think that makes sense. I'm not saying he's going to catch 100 balls or, pro- yeah. or even 80 balls, but you'd see him catching between 60 and 70 passes for seven or 800 yards. And I think he already has like four touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, he's he's been really good. Surprisingly good, I would say. 49ers Patriots. 49ers win this one 33-2-6. Jimmy G, seven points. Uh, my goodness, why? Jeff Wilson, 32. Brandon Ayuk, 17. Debo Samuel, 12. And George Kittle, 10. Big day for Wilson here, who does end up getting hurt. Samuel is hurt again. What are we doing with the San Francisco 49ers offense, where we, of course, did find out today, which is just sure. wonderful for fantasy owners that uh, the whole plan yesterday was to uh, kind of rest up Jarek McKinnon all week or for the game is what Kyle Shanahan said. So a big F you to Kyle Shanahan for putting well, us through that. But what are your thoughts be, on the 49ers? Turned out to be a, a good plan for him because Wilson, you know, goes crazy and it looks like did some pretty good damage to his ankle. They're talking about him yeah. going to IR. Coleman still Can be back this week. They talked they about it this morning. Still not ready. Oh, uh, there was, um, who was I listening to this morning on Sirius XM? They were saying there's a realistic shot he plays week eight. Well, they need something because yeah. they can't seem to keep these guys on the field. They can't seem to keep anything on the field. Samuel seems like he's getting into a groove, gets hurt again. Um, you know, thank God George Kittle's holding that holding on there. Ayuk looked decent. Um, the 49ers just keep finding a way. You know, they yeah, they've taken that next man up thing and Churning, churning away. You know they're four and three. Everyone in the NFC West is over five hundred. It's going to be a, a battle. You were totally right about that division. Um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if all four of them do make the playoffs. That's correct, Dennis. That's who I was listening to this morning. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I said it earlier. We, I said it on the the Devi Delight podcast, and for me, I I still like Ayuk a lot in this offense. I don't trust Debo with his injuries, and he's hurt again. I think for me, yeah, he's doubtful. I don't even think he's going to play in Week Eight. 
Yeah, I think you can trust Ayuk and Kittle moving forward. This Ayuk's had a good season. Like I, I, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it at this point. Maybe it's just because Jimmy G hasn't necessarily looked great, but Ayuk and Kittle have been very good this year. I think they're the only two I'm trusting moving forward because even if Coleman comes back, I mean, it's not like Coleman's a world beater, and you know he's still likely going to split time with Jarek McKinnon. So unless Kyle Shanahan, which I know he won't, comes out at a press conference like, we're going to give Coleman 70% of the carries and McKinnon 30%, you're not going to know which one to start. No, well, and I think they'll continuously split, and he seems to look at a hot hand approach to, you know, I thought yesterday I'm not incredibly surprised that McKinnon wasn't the best running back. We were surprised he didn't play, but I thought Michael Hasty was going to be the guy they were going to lean on, and instead yeah. it was like a hundred percent Wilson until he got injured. Uh, for the Patriots side here, Cam Newton negative point one eight points. In Scott Fishbowl, he actually did not finish as the worst quarterback. It was Sam Darnold. Newton only finished with negative seven points. Him, I think it's because of sacks, right? Uh, possibly yes. He finished with negative seven. Dalton finished with negative seven as well. Darnold was negative fourteen. I apologize. I thought he was negative twenty. He is negative fourteen. But Cam Newton, not a great day here. Does get benched. Damian Harris. Uh, for the few times that I was switching back and forth in this game, I thought had a couple good runs. Just eight points in this one. Burke had seven points as well. What are we doing with the Patriots' offense? I mean, after week one, we were all in, and it has not looked the same since then. Now they look terrible. I, you know, I don't, I, last week we said the only one that was startable is Cam. That may not even be true. Cam talked about today that, you know, he played so bad he thought he was going to get benched, which I might take more seriously if I hadn't seen Stidham and Hoyer play this year. Um, But they, they look really bad. They look lost. Week six, we thought maybe he looked a little bit off because, you know, he was just coming off the COVID IR and didn't get practice. Well, they had practice this week. He's not in sync with the receivers. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they have anything going in the passing game, and they're not even consistently being able to do things with the running game or with dump-offs. You know, James White used to be pretty Teflon, too. Julian Edelman used to be pretty Teflon. Nothing is now. Um, this they look like one of the saddest offenses. That's It's been pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, uh, I'm not trusting anybody. I just I've got to see it now at this point. I mean, it sucks to see a guy like Edelman who who's like that always ends up a wide receiver one in PPR leagues has just completely disappeared. You know, I obviously had my hope for Harris, and again, I thought he looked really good, but it goes back to that thing. It just they continue to rotate those backs so much that you just can't trust him. You can't trust Burkhead. Can't trust White. For me, I'm not playing anybody. And I would like to say. I am taking this victory lap right now. I don't care who takes offense to it. Where are you guys at with Nikhil Harry? Just curious because y'all told me I was well, an he idiot. Did get hurt yesterday, so but he hasn't victory, done anything. Even taking your victory point. lap is like clapping when a guy's on the field. That's what I do. Off. That's what I do. I'm like, yeah, he's out of here. I'm not talking about the injury. I'm talking about he is yet to do anything in his NFL career. I'm not sure he has a quarterback right now to get him the ball. You know what? I, you know what? I'll disagree with you on that part because all the Nikhil Harry truthers came out and said that's the quarterback that Nikhil Harry needs because you know what he looks for? That big wide receiver that plays just like Nikhil Harry. He's going to be the Devin Funches, the Kelvin Benjamin for Cam Newton. And okay. I told you all were wrong ben- then. 
I'm he just like, you know, be, he could still be Kelvin. He is Kelvin <laughs> Benjamin. That's the point is everybody came at me on Twitter because look, I I've, I've said this. I'll continue to say it. it's just like the Amari Cooper hate I get. I've always said Nikhil Harry, I thought was at best a wide receiver too. I'm not hating on the kid. I think that's a fair assessment to make, but everybody else was now he's a wide receiver. One of the future, the Patriots wouldn't draft him in the first round. If he wasn't, it doesn't matter. You scout traits, draft capital does not matter that much. Hey, that's, look, that's my only they issue. They have a rock solid wide receiver one in Nikhil Harry, rock solid running back one in Sony Michelle. Those were first round picks well spent. Now we know why the Patriots trade their first round picks. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here we go. But Cam Newton hasn't been the Cam Newton. It doesn't matter. Hey, Nikhil Harry still is not good. He is not produced, even without Cam Newton last year and Tom Brady, who we clearly can see now was not the issue of that offense because Tampa Bay, he is not holding that Tampa Bay offense back at all. So I'm sorry. He's just, he's not the wide receiver one you guys all sold him to be. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm saying. Now, granted, here, look, I'll take my grain of salt with it. Hakeem Butler ain't that great of a wide receiver either because he got moved to tight end. So there we go. But still, Nikhil Harry, that's what sucks. None of the Nikhil Harry owners or truthers will take their dose of medicine. Like, look, I was wrong, but I can take it on on Hakeem Butler because you know what? Hey, he's going to be a stud tight end. He's not a wide receiver. All right. Now, anyway. all that all that segment was missing was a clip of Obi Wan Kenobi screaming, "You were the chosen one!" As Anakin melts into the uh, yeah. lava. Yeah. All right. Chargers, Jaguars. Chargers win this one, thirty-nine twenty-nine. Minshew, nineteen points. James Robinson, thirty-one. Dennis's guy, Chris Conley, nine, and Lavisca Chenault, seven. Uh, Robinson has the the huge game here, but the passing game was god awful. I watched uh, I watched this entire game. <laughs> Okay, I thought, I thought ESPN was broken for a while because midway through the second quarter, it still said no stats accumulated for the passing game. Yeah, but then I realized when when they started showing completions, I was like, oh, they just yeah, had it no was, stats accumulated. No, 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 it was bad. I, I talked about in. Um, one of the discords that I'm in, a football discord that I'm in today, that I would not be surprised. We heard the rumblings last week that they might be ready to move on from Minshew or pull the plug on the Minshew experience. Uh, I would not be surprised if that happens this week. It well, and when your coach is unironically talking about Mike Glennon as a better option, yeah. that's, you know, you've reached a level of your career that you're probably not coming back from. So let's assume that they do do that. Cause again, I, the chargers defense is good. So I don't want to take anything away from the chargers defense, but all, I mean, are they though? They've got a good secondary. I think even without a uh, James, they have a bunch of injuries. Chris Harris has gone too. Yeah, but I mean, they've still played good. They played the Chiefs tough. They've played, um, who else did they just play? I mean, they've been in every single game. Like, I'm not, they're not uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I'd say they're middle of the pack defense, which is not bad. They they can hold you in check for the most part. But my biggest issue with that was in That's watching Tim that Patrick game. catching 200 yards worth of passes this Sunday. Tim Patrick's a god. We realize that now with Cortland Sutton being out. He's, he's, he's Cortland Sutton incarnate. Um, is that. What I saw, because again, I watched almost the entire game because I was really hoping to see Herbert get his first one. Plus, I was very invested in Herbert putting up the points that he did because I needed him to to bring me back in one of my fantasy matchups. Was that there were multiple times I would I would say at least three or four. I'm trying to remember exactly. But I want to say it was three. I'd say three to just be on the safe side. Chark was wide open, had his man beat, and Minshew could not hit him. Underthrew him, overthrew him, threw it past him like it was bad. If they do go to Glennon, 
James Robinson, regardless, Minshew's in, Glennon's in, you're starting. Robinson has proved he's the starting running back of that team. I'd be interested to see if they keep him. That's something we can discuss in the offseason. Are you willing to start any of these wide receivers if they move to Glennon? I mean, as somebody who started Keelan Cole in a flex spot yesterday, apparently you are. There is not a level <laughs> in 2020 at which you are not forced to take a chance on someone if you're in enough leagues and have enough issues. Sharks, you know, you liked him as potentially wide receiver one talent. I think yeah. he's probably in a wide receiver three situation. So we split the difference and say he's probably a low end two right now in terms of ranking week to week. Do you feel good about it? No, I mean, I'm my, my friend who's in my work league. He's like, I thought Chark died until I saw the yeah. stat post. I was like, is he even still alive? Cause you know, here we got the Denver game, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been amazing precipitous. And there's another situation almost like Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton, where it was the young quarterback who seemed to develop the chemistry with that receiver. And then it's just completely gone uh, the next year. So I don't know what you feel good about. It's definitely not Westbrook who has now torn his um, ACL. Keen Cole looks good for a while. It looked like they had phased Chris Conley out and then he comes back and he had just a touchdown yesterday. Chenault, they're still trying to get involved in various ways. They have talent. They just, I don't know that you'd feel good about putting anyone in there or you could even really rely on uh, on anyone. So I think that's the probably the big challenge there. Um, it was good that Robinson still looked good, but uh, for the you know for the receivers, I don't know that there's anyone I, I exactly trust. You probably still have to start some. In, uh, but I would put them more in the flex territory. I don't think there's anyone that I feel consistently solid about even putting in a wide receiver two kind of category. Um, you know, hopefully Chark will get something, but we'll see. Uh, but Matt stepped away for a minute, so I'll move to the Chargers and look at their scores. Uh, Herbert has a huge, huge game, uh, 38.48 points. Uh, running backs, uh, Justin Jackson, who came in banged up, ends up with 10.5, mostly thanks to receiving. Uh, Joshua Kelly, 10.3. Also, mostly thanks to receiving Keelan, Keenan Allen had 22.5. Um, Hunter Henry, 5.3, was actually the third best tight end on his own team yesterday. Virgil Green catches a touchdown. Donald Parham catches a touchdown. Jalen Guyton catches a touchdown. Mike Williams <laughs> watched all those guys catch touchdowns. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah, I mean – I was a little disappointed in the Mike Williams thing. You did talk about it Friday that that I, I you did not think he was going to be that good. I was kind of surprised. I, I liked what I saw out of him, and you mentioned it may have been more because Keenan Allen went out. You seem to be right on that because he was all – I mean, it was Keenan Allen on every single big drive. He needed something. Every big third down, it was Keenan Allen. And makes sense. I mean, Keenan Allen, I was talking with a couple people uh, yesterday when I was doing some stuff last night that Keenan Allen is like one of those very underrated route runners, one of the best in the game. And he was just getting open. They, it was, if it was third and five, Keenan Allen was open six, seven yards down the field and Herbert was hitting them. Uh, you know, before we get into talking about the rookie of the year, because I almost think he is, sec he secured it. I mean, in all, well, we'll save it for a minute. Uh, him and bro are right See, there. I don't, 
think you can you can give it to one over the other definitively right now. Okay, true. You can't give it to one or the other, but I will say Herbert's taken the lead, in my opinion, because yes. of what he has done every single week. I will, I'll, I'll say it that way. Um, Herbert has moved into since he started. He is number four. He's the number four quarterback on the year. You're starting him every single week because we keep saying he's going to have that week where he falls off. He's and he is yet to do it. His worst week came against uh, who was it? Uh, was it the Chiefs? There was a week he put up 17 points. I don't remember who he played, but. It could have been the Chiefs. It may have been the Chiefs, but even in that game, like he still played good and could have won them that game. That was more coaching decisions that kind of held him back in that one. But with this offense, uh, with obviously Jackson and Kelly splitting time the way that they did, uh, Keenan Allen dominating the way he did, what? How do you feel about the running back splits and then Hunter Henry and Mike Williams? Yeah, so that's the tough. The great thing has been Herbert has been yeah rock solid. Keenan Allen, when he plays, has been rock solid. I mean, I think he kind of right off a game where he left with back spasms. Well, yeah, he got the touchdown in that. He looked good up until he got hurt. I feel great about those two week in, week out. I think you're you're good to go starting them. I actually, in uh, in a dynasty league, flipped Brady for a first round pick so that I could start. Uh, I must it must be a heavily influenced Matt team because it's super flex, and my starters are now Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. Um, you know, I feel pretty good about him. You know, I think he's turned out pretty good among the rest. The running game hasn't been consistent enough and they're definitely splitting. Um, you know, if Eckler was there, I probably would throw him in because I feel like he's pretty solid. Henry, you should have you pretty good confidence at that position. I think yesterday was a little bit of a fluke, but the thing we've seen with Herbert is he's not, afraid to get other people involved and he's peppering guys with a lot of touchdowns. I almost yeah. am at the point where it's a toss up to me between Jalen Guyton and Mike Williams, because yeah. we've seen Guyton take two or three. I mean, he, he's almost in uh Henry Ruggs territory. He might give you nothing, but he also might catch like he did yesterday, two passes for 72 yards and touchdown. Well, I think the difference with Guyton is he gives them the downfield threat that neither Allen or Williams give him. And we've seen that Herbert brings them that guy that's not afraid to throw it down the field, and he puts it on an absolute dime, which I think obviously helps Guyton out as well. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think I hate to put it this way because my mantra usually when it comes to setting my lineups is you want to go with the guys who are going to give you, I don't want to say the safest, but you know you're going to get points from because you don't want to take those big upside plays like a Guyton because they could give you that zero. And if you would have started, say, a whomever, uh, this I know he didn't play this last week, but like a Crowder. Say you're like, okay, well, Crowder's going to give me nine points, but I'm going to go with Guyton because he may give me 20. And then he gives you the zero and Crowder gave you those 10 points and you lose by four. Like that's where you hurt yourself. But I'm, I'm with you. Like I almost feel like now you can argue between Guyton and Mike Williams and, and who you want to start for the Chargers every single week. I'm in a PPR league and I wanted to ask what your thoughts are on this trade. I'm giving James Robinson, Noah Fant, and CeeDee Lamb for McCaffrey and Claypool. I would – redraft? If it uh, – even if, if it's, it's redraft, re- I think I'm redraft, staying. I'm not – doing it yeah uh, yeah, i guess like see if it's dynasty yeah i guess i would do it because getting mccaffrey he's the best player in the deal and claypool i think is confirmed it's kind of secured he'll be the two with johnson moving forward but if it's redraft no do not do it james robinson noah fan cd lamb have 
immensely more value to you than McCaffrey and Claypool do, especially with McCaffrey. It looks like he's not going to go this week in week eight. No guarantee he'll be ready by week nine. And as we talked about earlier with Deontay Johnson being back, we don't know exactly what Claypool's role will be with Juju Johnson and Claypool all mixed together. To me, even in Dynasty, it's a little bit of a toss-up. The only reason you're looking at it is you can't be 100% what the future is for James Robinson Robinson, or for the Cowboys, for that matter. You know, I love C.D. Lamb, but obviously the quarterback situation, you know, hopefully Dak's back, but you don't know. You don't know if the offense stays the same. So that, that to me has, you know, I like C.D. Lamb better than Claypool, but there's definitely a question of situation there. But in a redraft, I think, you know, Fant's back, he's in. He's a startable tight end. C.D. Lamb hopefully will still be a flex-worthy wide receiver, and James Robinson's a startable running back. McCaffrey, we don't even know if it's not redraft, just regular PPR league. I already have Travis Kelsey as my tight end. Man, I still don't know, though. Because, I mean, I I get it. We just talked about earlier. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with James Robinson. That's not something we're really going to be able to figure out until the offseason gets here. But still, Vance, a high-end tight end for me, I would still have Lamb over Claypool. So, it's going to be – for me, it really depends on what your running backs are. Is McCaffrey really going to push your team over? Are your running backs so bad that like is like James Robinson your running back one that you need? If James Robinson's your running back one, I'm doing it because I want to get McCaffrey. And we didn't have enough sample size this year to say for sure that McCaffrey's role is the same as what he was last yeah. year or the year before. You have to remember, he's in a new system with a new coaching staff too. We've seen some good production from uh, Mike Davis. So Alvin Kamara, who I would assume I mean, who, with Kamara and Robinson in the option to flex Fant or CD Lamb, I think you could win. Now, yeah. anyway, this might it almost feels like a trade that would be better to make in the offseason. Yeah, I mean I, I would if you want to win this year, I would not make that deal. Because we just don't know when McCaffrey's coming back. I mean, it, it looks like nine, but there's no guarantee. Like, there's no guarantee he comes back in week nine. I don't want to. James Robinson is a top 12 running back right now. And with what he's shown, I don't see why the Jaguars are going to move on from him in the offseason. Running back is cheap. You can keep him for a fairly cheap deal, more likely, kind of like what Denver did with Philip Lindsay. I'm, I don't see any reason to move on with them. Again, I know Claypool's been good the past couple weeks up until last week, but I would still keep CeeDee Lamb over Claypool. CeeDee Lamb is the better wide receiver. He showed it throughout his entire year in college. Whether they bring Dak back or go for another quarterback, CeeDee Lamb will eventually be well, or he'll still be the better run, wide receiver in my opinion because we don't know how much longer Big Ben's going to be in Pittsburgh either. McCaffrey is the best player in the deal, but I think you're giving up more than I would feel comfortable giving up to get McCaffrey and Claypool. Do I trade Josh Allen for Zeke and Matthew Stafford in a standard league needed? Yes. I don't even need to know. Yes. Do it. I love Josh Allen, but if you're getting Zeke, who's like the second or third best running back in the league, Matt Stafford, you could even, even if you didn't have Patrick Mahomes, I would still be comfortable starting Matt Stafford every single week. You agree with that, Matt? Yeah. I mean, should be fine, especially Josh Allen's come back to earth quite a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, again, having Patrick Mahomes is kind of the the sweetener on that deal right there. I, I didn't see that it's two QB, but that doesn't change my mind any. Matt Stafford's good enough that with getting you're going to get more than enough production out of Zeke moving forward. At least hopefully, 
was best. That <laughs> offense looked. All right, last game of the day, which was a really good one. Cardinals, Seahawks. Cardinals won this one 37-34. Wilson, 29 points. Hyde, 16. Carson, 5. Lockett, 53. Metcalf, 4, four, four points. My goodness. Lockett explodes. Metcalf was quiet. Uh, most of that, you think, is due to Patrick Peterson. Obviously, the big news that came out here uh, for the... Seahawks side. Carson yeah. is likely going to miss at least a couple weeks. A sprained ligament in his foot. What does that mean for you with Carlos Hyde and DJ Dallas moving forward? Yeah, Hyde looked actually pretty good. You know, he had that really nice long touchdown run. Um, I'm excited as somebody who has Dallas in a couple places to see him get involved. Obviously, Travis Homer worked in there quite a bit uh, yesterday too. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see. Um, but, you know, I think they'll be okay. Their passing game's still pretty good. I didn't see that they lost that much uh, going to Carlos Hyde. And you have to remember, Hyde was a 1,000-yard runner for Houston last year. And seeing what David Johnson has looked like in that same situation kind of makes you think that what Hyde did last year was more impressive than you even realized. Uh, I see your guys' questions. Give us one minute. Let's get. We'll wrap up the Cardinals, then we'll jump in and answer your last two questions here. Uh, Cardinals side, but yeah, I'm with you. Hide uh, if you have Hide, uh, if he's available, grab him because I think he's going to be good. He he can do work in the passing game and the running game. Arizona side here: Murray 37 points, Drake five, Edmonds 21, Hopkins 24, and Christian Kirk 20. Uh, a big game for Murray here. Drake gets hurt. Edmonds does step up and and looked great. We've talked about before has that RB one upside. If Drake were to get hurt or vice versa, Drake it is being said same thing going to be out for a couple weeks. They did come out and say Edmonds will be the starter. Uh, so what is your thoughts on Edmonds here moving forward and possibly maybe some Eno Benjamin getting mixed in? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what Benjamin looks like, but Chase Edmonds looked really great at the end of that game. Yeah. He's been pretty solid when he's been given opportunities, it seemed like, all season, so I don't think they'll lose much or of anything uh, with him in there. He was strong running the ball uh, at the late fourth quarter and in overtime, and he's been good catching the ball. So to me, he could be uh, a borderline you know, RB1. We thought that's what yeah. Drake might give us, maybe with only one guy that clarifies the situation a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's if he's available, which I would imagine he's not available on your waiver wire, but if he is, he's a league winner. You've got to grab him because there's also the report. I forgot. That's not the entire report. If Edmonds has a, from what Cardinals, from the Cardinals team, if Edmonds does good enough, there's no guarantee Drake gets his job back when he comes back. So this could literally mean Edmonds is the starting running back the rest of the year for the Cardinals. So that is a big move if you can get Edmonds right now. Uh, all right, so a couple questions that just popped up here. Can I drop Singletary or try to trade him? I have Moss and Singletary on the bench. You can try and trade Singletary. I don't know what you would get for him. If you want to drop him, it would depend on what's available on the waiver. I'm not I'm not dropping Singletary out of spite, even though I have done that before, and it's come back to bite me in the ass. So I would just drop him. Uh, just to drop him, but if you've got a Edmonds, a hide on the waiver wire, I might drop Singletary for one of those because they're going to give you more production, at least right now, than what Singletary's bringing you. Yeah, and I'm especially not just outright dropping Singletary because if Moss misses time again, we've seen Singletary can potentially get you into that 10 to 12 point range. I also don't want to panic about these guys yet because Buffalo produced good rushing offense last Early. year. Yeah, uh, and they had it. You know, we had decent expectations. You know, will they be able to get back to it? It's only been 
seven weeks of one of the strangest seasons in the history of time. They've only had those guys together for a couple of those games. Kind of got to see what shakes out. Any suggestions on who to trade TJ Hawkinson for? Also trying to trade CEH because I'm not comfortable with the situation with Bell. Is this redraft or dynasty? If it's dynasty, do not trade CEH. Bell will be gone next year. As for Hawkinson, with as good as he's looked in the touchdowns he's catching, I would think your best bet would you likely be able to get a high-end wide receiver two? I don't think you could get a wide receiver one for him unless you're going to a very tight-end desperate team. Yeah, so, I mean, if it's redraft, I don't even know that you're getting a wide receiver two for Hawkinson. Yeah, he, he hasn't been consistent enough. He had a good game yesterday. He's had a couple of touchdown games. He's not been a consistent barn burner. Um, Dynasty, maybe you're getting something like that because we still have some hopes. But, he, you know, I don't know that we've seen enough consistency from him. Um, so that's probably a little bit, you know, in redraft, I'm in the same boat as you. I have Mark Andrews and I took Hawkinson to be my, my bi-week fill in. Um, I don't know what you're really going to be able to trade him, trade him for. I'm guessing because you were able to pick him up, it's got to be redraft. I don't know what you can really get for him in redraft. And I'm with you. I wouldn't probably dump CEH even in redraft um, right now because I think you're still I – mean, yesterday he still got the touchdown, still had money, more carries. What I might try to do is, you know, if you can get Bell for cheap, maybe you you pair them together. Um, but because CEH, I would say, is probably at the lowest point of his value in redraft, especially right now because people have the same concerns and because, you know, you only have them for this one year. So if you're going to roll with Mark Andrews moving forward, I was just trying to look at some wide receiver twos. I don't know if you'd get that for Hawkinson, like Matt said, but you might be able to get a wide receiver three. So a couple of guys who are still sitting low end that you might be able to get, this guy's probably going to be the hardest because he's had a couple good weeks in a row, but a Brandon Ayuk, especially with Samuel going down, uh, I think he might be, if you can get him for Hawkinson, he's a, he's a worthy flex guy. Jarvis Landry, same thing now with Odell going down. I think his volume increases some. He has not had a, a specifically good season. But again, for us, it's gonna you're going to have to target a team who needs a tight end badly because if someone's sitting over there with one of those top tight ends, they're probably not going to trade for TJ Hawkinson. Um, I was trying to think of because like a T Higgins, I think he's been too good the past couple weeks. You probably won't be able to get him. Um, you know, that's really it. I'm trying to think of some other guys, you know, up until this past week, I think you might've been able to get a Deontay Johnson because of how bad he's looked, but then he bounced back yesterday and had the massive game. So, um, if you, if you're on Twitter, hit us up at, uh, I'm at sports fanatic MB, uh, no, you Matt, might be able to get like, did you say T Higgins? I did say, but I don't know because again, he had another big game last week. But so T Higgins, like T Higgins and Deontay Johnson would be the top two I'd go for. But because of the big game Higgins had yesterday and he's got over 100 yards last week would be kind of hard, I think. You know, Deontay Johnson again, the big game last week or yesterday, I think kind of maybe knocks him out of TJ Hawkinson territory as well. I think the other thing is you'd also have to find a team that was desperate at tight end and look at what they had. Um, So that's kind of hard, you know. Like the guy that has T. Higgins might also have Gronkowski, in which case, yeah. like, yeah, no, 
No, thanks. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if you can, like I'm at Sports Fanatic M as in Matt, B as in boy, and then you can find the other Matt here, wrong way, at Nighthawk7734. You can send us a DM of like their roster and your roster, and we can probably help you better figure out how or who, what you can make that trade for. Because it's kind of hard with not knowing what the rest of your roster looks like. Because you might even be able to pair a Hawkinson and someone to get an upgrade somewhere, but without knowing your entire roster and possibly who you can trade them to, it's kind of hard to answer that question. Uh, we have high Jamichael Hasty, Jamal Williams, and P. Ryan on waiver. I need an RB2 for week eight. I would drop Singletary for P. Ryan. That's just me, though. I know Matt's not as big a fan, but with the amount well, of carries they gave him, I, I think I'd do it. I mean... Oh, hide two. Shit, I forgot. Hide two. Because Jamal Williams, like, Jamal Williams is probably the... Aaron Jones probably coming back. Jamal exactly. Williams has the most value throughout the season, but Carlos Hyde... You're getting him for at least two weeks. The reason I lean P Ryan is it looks like after last week, he's likely going to be the guy moving forward that he clearly outsnapped for uh, Ford Gore and got more carries. I think for me, I'd go P Ryan. You're not going to get much more out of him than Singletary gives you, but you're in my opinion, you're going to give him more because he has that touchdown upside. The one thing I've always hated about Singletary and having Moss there and Josh Allen is that they limit his touchdown upside. Yeah. And I, the one I'd rule out probably is Jermichael Hasty because yeah. I think where you're going to see McKinnon and then they, if they, as soon as they activate Coleman, you're kind of spent on that. Um, you know, if you're competing, I would, I probably would do hide. I get what you're saying about P Ryan and for dynasty fine, but the jets offense looks so bad and is so inconsistent. I feel like if he doesn't get a touchdown, you're in that five to eight point range. Right. Well, yeah, but you're Which, the same with Singletary. That's that's the problem. Like that's what I'm saying. For me, I think I trust Singletary. I trust to have a more chance to be there. Pirine could also give you three points or one point, or could get gased. The only reason I would think I would take Pirine over Singletary is while I agree that they're kind of in the same area. I think his touchdown upside is greater than Singletary's because I think once they get down into the red zone, as they showed yesterday, they'll actually lean on P Ryan where Singletary is the third option at best. It's going to be, excuse me, Moss and Allen first. And that's what worries me about Singletary. Like, yeah, he's going to get you work because he's a good running back in the middle of the field, but P Ryan is a good running back as well. He's not horrible. It's just, he's on a really bad offense. That's, that's the biggest knock against him, but we've seen running backs on bad offenses produced before. It's not a great option either way. And I'm with you. I think, if I had to go one, it'd probably be Hyde, but you also have to understand you may only be getting Hyde for two weeks because Carson, they're saying, is only going to be out for a couple weeks. So if, if Carson comes back in three weeks, then you just lost out on Hyde. So if it's just for week eight, as you mentioned uh, a minute ago, then yes, I would go Hyde easily because he's likely going to be able to produce for you in week eight. Uh, but if it's some, you know, P. Ryan, I think, has the longer term value. That will uh, that'll do it for us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, talk about waiver wires and, of course, the Monday night football game tonight between the Bears and the Rams. We will see you guys again tomorrow. Go Rams. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die.
Oh, yeah.